Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about what's missing in Linux today. Let's get into episode 83. We are short one co-host on this episode. Matt ditched us. He's busy playing some video games, but that's okay. We're going to have plenty of fun without him. Well, you know, I, I will miss him. Whenever Matt's not here, I don't get that that kind of like the, the level of, of harassment that I kind of expect from week to week. And so like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I feel a little empty, you know, inside, a little, little like, a little gutted because I don't, I don't get that kind of, you know, right? love and attention from Matt. Exactly. It's it's one of the th- ways that I know that I'm really good friends with someone is if you can have that fun, joking, teasing relationship and everybody's cool. And that's one of the things that I love about doing this show and hanging out with you guys is we all kind of have that same, no, I wouldn't say twisted sense of humor, but maybe dark sense of humor in a way. And so yeah, yeah. it's just fun. Like we can sling stuff back and forth and everybody has a good laugh. And mm-hmm. it's not quite the same when we're short one person. So hopefully it'll still be a good show. Hopefully it'll still be a fun show after all. But you've got some awesome hardware to talk about that you've got to I play do. with in your own personal life. And now you get to bring it to work. Yeah, so I am a fan of the framework, and and I'm a little bit biased because I like the idea of being able to tear into, repair hardware as I see fit, and you know things like make the hardware my own. Well, right. I, I'm an IT manager of a of a company, not a huge company, but a, a pretty decent sized one, and not quite been doing it a year yet, but we're get we're closing in on a year now, and I, I get to make the the hardware decisions uh, for the organization. And, and as such, uh, you know, I'm not pushing things that are just ridiculous. You know, like I have an almost unhealthy obsession with the OpenSUSE project. It doesn't mean I'm pushing OpenSUSE everywhere. I'm not pushing out Debian in favor of OpenSUSE. I'm not putting OpenSUSE on anybody's desktops. Uh, there's only one OpenSUSE machine in the building and it's mine. Actually, there's one, there's one virtual machine that's running OpenSUSE, but anyway, one. just one, just one, just one. Yeah. But it made sense for this and yeah, it works great. Anyway, so I have a need for new laptops because either they break or they age out. And how do I put this? Like the, our, the guidelines that are given to us by like our parent organization is that oh, yeah. Yeah. we have to make sure that we stay compliant with all the cybersecurity stuff. It's, a, well, it's an insurance mm-hmm. thing. And then we have consultants and we have a cybersecurity outfit that does a lot of that stuff because I'm, I'm not a cybersecurity expert. I do have a tinfoil hat. And so my, my automatic is to just, if I don't know what it is, I turn it off because I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to risk it, but I can't do that there. So, so I have other fingers that are involved, but it's ultimately my call on things. And, and I do get a report card. So I have a, there's, there's a, some penetration testing they're doing, looking for vulnerabilities and everything. And so I, I do have, I do have some work ahead of me and not, not a lot, actually really pretty small amount. So the, the guy who I replaced did a very excellent job of taking care of things, and uh, so uh, kudos to him for all the all the work that he did. And anyway, that said, laptops are aging out; they're failing, and you know people break them or you know whatever. And so I 
talking to the consultant, I said, I, you know, I've had a framework now for about six months. I love it. And the, and the, uh, the consultant says, wow, this is really neat. This is my next laptop. I said, so what do you think about this for the, for the, uh, the business environment? And he thought, that's a really neat idea. When I went to Latvia for the uh, Ubuntu summit, uh, I actually met one of the, the framework developers. And so I got, they gave my business card and then I started, and so anyway, started a business relationship with, with framework. And at this, at this time right now, we have six framework 13s that are deployed in the company. Uh, nice. One is on order. That's a framework 16. So it might be a little while before it shows up. Mm. And then we have two that are going to be ordered. I was going to order them today, but I had another issue that I had to deal with. And that was more pressing <laughs> besides doing the purchase request and getting it approved. So, right. so two more are going to be ordered. And the, the response has been very positive overall. People like them. They're lighter. They, um, mm. they, they're actually the i5, the, the 13th gen i5 is actually really pretty performant compared to what even the i7s of just a couple of generations ago. So that's oh, great. Nice. And, and people really appreciate that. I'm not going to say it's all roses and puppy dogs and unicorns in this whole, in this whole thing. So there has been one complaints at the right word, but complaint, we'll just use complaint. And, and that was the, there's a lady who had an X1 carbon. It was only a couple of years old. So it's, it wasn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't wrong an with old it. machine. So it was no computer. I mean, it didn't seem like there's nothing wrong with it, but it kept having these random catastrophic hardware failures that would actually shut the machine down. Couldn't get it back started. We did all the, you know, the, there's a, you know, there's a key dance you can do between holding things down and, and yeah. the power cord and everything else to kind of get the thing to boot back up. And then the, the bit locker was locked out. And so did that. Got it back going, failed again, and just kept kind of going through this. And I'm like, so she's one of the marketing salespeople, and she's very a very heavy mm-hmm. laptop user. Cannot be without a laptop. Gave her a so the, this is like a smaller X1 carbon. It's really really cute machine, you know, thin, light, and everything else. And kind of gave right. one of those one that was kind of retired, but not totally like dead. Basically, kind of an eighth, an eighth gen <laughs> Intel that that has been well loved, as it were. Yes. And, uh, and it kind of looks ridiculous yes. because she's a little bit smaller. And so this computer's like the size of her. But anyway, so I uh, got her a framework, you know, very rapidly. And mm-hmm. uh, and she likes the size of it and everything else. Her Actually, her husband's in IT as well. And he thinks really highly of them. But we kept having an issue of the battery draining on it. And it would die. So every time she turned oh. the head back on, it was dead. And so that ended up being a a Windows configuration issue. That got sorted out, but but she but she has expressed she's like you know it's not as good on battery life as as the X1 carbon, and I think that's unfortunate. It's and it's like that has the it's an i5 so it has the I think the 55 watt hour battery in it, so maybe oh, okay. maybe the b- bigger battery would be better for that computer too. If if she if she complains again, I'll probably just order a battery and swap it out because I can. <laughs> because yes, because you have so, that flexibility. Okay, she's using it for this amount of time. She needs this much screen time or whatever. So it's a benefit to go ahead and swap out those batteries. Right. And it should be pretty easy to do, right? Oh, very easy. It'd probably take barely an inconvenience, mm-hmm. frankly. So awesome. Anyway, outside of that, it's been been very well received. I, I have had a couple of concerning things, maybe relating to the framework. There have been two threats now of people purposefully breaking their laptop so they can get a framework. That would be the only thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> now that is an interesting <clears throat> problem for the IT yeah. department to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like one of the, um, one, one of the, um, the managers, you know, that that's, you know, 
one of the main managers and oh, and, yeah. maintenance, and then also one of the supervisors have, have both threatened to break their machines. Like, so what do I have to do to, to get one of those? That's like, break it, drop it. How, how, like, how bad does it have to be? And I'm like, don't. So I'm trying not to blow the budget, you know, and, um, right. but actually yeah. ordering these framework 13s, they're a little bit cheaper than the Lenovo's that we have been purchasing. So, mm, or ordering the surface, surface books and stuff like that. So it's actually been a bit of a, lesser in cost. I'm very close to the point where, where we might end up keeping some parts on hand. I do have some different like expansion card interfaces, like some USB-A and USB-C, because some people want more USB-C than A. And also if somebody ends up breaking one of the connectors, I want to have a replacement USB-C or A on hand as well. Yeah, that makes sense. That- but anyway, so yeah, it's actually so far, it's been great. I think one, one person wanted two USB-As instead of a C or something like that. And but what's also very cool is, so the I have I have one a direct report. He's my, my IT specialist. He knows Windows machines way better than I do. And so if I have a Windows question, I go to him. He has all those answers. I'm, I'm, I would say more so a Linux guy. You could probably say maybe, maybe a little bit. I would say so. Yeah. You're definitely more a Linux and, guy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable in the terminal and doing, you know, other, other whiz bangetry. There's an expansion going on to the, the facility and we needed another workstation. So we were very close. We didn't, I didn't do it because I couldn't answer a few of the questions and there really wasn't a lot of time. This, this company moves very quickly. There's no, they don't dilly-dally. So there's, anyway, there, but we're going to do a framework desktop. Actually, we're going to buy a desk with a Cooler Master kit and everything. We're going to do that because then we, we could commonize some of the hardware. But the problem we had there was uh, I would have to like get like some sort of a, a hub or, or dock or whatever for it in order to, to basically yeah. properly use it because there's only four, four ports on it. So you have USB-C, USB-A, and then we need an HDMI out. And so, um, right. I'm sorry, I, I kind of I totally messed that up. I was, I was really good, uh, recounting what we needed. But we need to have keyboard, mouse, and they have to be wired. We'd have to have plugged into, mm-hmm. obviously, power and also into the monitor. And so it's short one port unless I, I did a hub or, or something like that. And so, although I could have probably done it, I just didn't feel real good about it at that time. So I ended up going with like a, yeah. a Lenovo Think Center, and it actually ended up being about the same price anyway. So it's you know it's fine. Actually, the Lenovo might have been slightly cheaper, but anyway. So there's I, I'm now actually looking at you know prop. If, if there was like a a framework desktop that you actually would for I don't know how, how to better put this, but like dock it in or put it in whatever <laughs> that gave that gave you know a full a full complement of ports and power in and everything else. Uh, oh, that yeah. would actually be yeah, like yeah. like for like a like a slim like a slim like a think center like computer mm-hmm. that would actually be really awesome for a lot of things around this place. Like we have a lot of thin clients or very just, just minimal machines. We need to have you know if actually we can get them behind the monitor for those work center workstations that you know have specific appliance functions. That actually yeah. would be pretty mu- pretty much perfect because then we could commonize the hardware in the entire building, desktop or laptop in this case. Right. And, you know, and also, yeah. But anyway, so I thought, so it almost happened, but I just, I just didn't quite feel good about the decision I was going in. And and because I want every decision I make to basically be perfect, which obviously doesn't happen, (laughs) but I want them to be perfect. uh, I I just didn't go with it at this time until something, I don't want it to be hacky, something less hacky. Right. I can, so I think what I want to do is probably buy one of those cooler master framework setups just you know have a company to buy one for you know on the, on the company's dime and and set up a test case on it so 
may end up doing that. I don't know yet. All all the machines are running Windows 11. That's kind of required at this point. At could this probably, point. Probably with some of them, we probably could run Linux on them that, don't, that you know, aren't doing anything with... That, that are basically just multi-user systems that it's the same interface right. for multiple users. You know, like the the receiver or the shipper. Yeah, the, more of the kiosk-style performance kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. but I'm not, I'm not ready to make those those calls yet because I, I don't I don't feel like there's a great I would have a great solution to implement and also to right. maintain some of the other cybersecurity requirements not because I think mm-hmm. Linux is less secure but because I need to make sure that whatever I do is approved by the cybersecurity team that I work with right. and then also I want to make sure that remote administration is not a problem. And so that that's mm. so those two things have to be and I could, and it's it's definitely possible and doable. I just don't have a warm fuzzy about any of my options right now. Sorry, gotcha. OpenSUSE, love ya, but but I don't want to make a decision that would cause somebody else to have issues. Right, and and something that you haven't fully vetted at this point because you're implementing it in a work environment where it's going to be getting at a lot of use and downtime is an issue. So making sure you have all of that hashed out and properly configured before you go to implement totally makes sense. And and also, like, there's basically one guy, okay, maybe two in the entire building that could very easily administer it. Yeah. Because it's me and somebody else maybe uh, that I'm thinking of. But like my IT professional that I work with, he's more of a Windows guy. So mm-hmm. do I want something else to fall on me? I'm not I'm not prepared for that at this point. So I, I yeah. feel like some of the support the support stuff isn't ready yet. But I, I'm gonna experiment with some sort of like kiosk function with with Linux. I just don't I'm just not ready to to say, here company, this is a good idea until I've fully tested it out. Well, I know you talked about using some Raspberry Pis for some things. So are yes. they running a Linux whatever in those situations? Okay. But they, they are literally have their... Okay. One of them had some, some scope creep, which has been a little bit frustrating because it does mess with the automation. So they it's just supposed to be up high on the wall, no interaction. Mm-hmm. You just look, you see what shipments are coming in, or it's just what, I'm sorry, what shipments are going out. And then it can be, that's how it can, so people can see it. So when the, you know, the, the, the drive, the fork truck drivers or whoever's doing the, the, the shipping, it's all right there. Right. That's what it was. And so that's how I set it up. Now it's like, well, we kind of interact with it. Well, that machine doesn't have permission for read write into this database. It only has read permission. So of course it's going to cause you problems. And so now it might still stay a Raspberry Pi running Linux, but I might either remove one of the automations to make it so it, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it logging back in because it will have somebody there manning it. But I, I kind of, I'm not real, I don't know. That's, we got to talk about that one, but it only has that one, it only does a one function, but like we have to talk about that internally if we're going to, if we're going to change how those things work. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly, you had a job for it and they have another job that they want it to do. It's like, we like that job. Now let's add three more on top of that one. <laughs> Can we do it with this? Yes, but it does change some but, things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it, it could work. It, I can make it work. It's just that wasn't the point of the system. There's supposed to be a separate okay. like mm-hmm. tablet or a, a different hand interface that you would interact with, and that would just be a display. And so right. I'm not sure what happened to the tablet. 
or a secondary computer. Uh, that wasn't, <laughs> it's not my project. I was just supporting it. And, and so I, I don't know, I know what's going on there. Yeah. So you'll be able to report back on that one sometime in the future then. Uh, yes. I, I'm sure we're supposed to be implementing the same system in the other plant, but that seems to have stalled, I guess. I mean, it's working. On, put on hold. Yeah. yeah. So my part is done. It, my part's doing what it needs to do, but I don't know where the the full implementation hasn't happened. So it's hard for me to like really observe and, and make you know, educated decisions about. Decisions on it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. For sure. Well, uh, you heard my excitement about playing with computers. You're playing with robots. I am playing with robots. So when this show comes out, it'll be the week of state. So we are in the final prep of things for the FTC team. And they've been working on this arm together, the pictures, pixels. I shared not last episode. So this is 83, so not 82, but I think 81. I shared some video of the actual gameplay and the STL files of what those pixels look like. So... If you're interested in how that game works, you can go find it there. But they had tried to gather this arm with pixels. They actually had been doing some CAD work, and they're still struggling with it. So they could pick up off the floor, but in order for their deliverer to be right on the board, so it's flat on the board, it had to be too high up. And we were missing a team member last night, unfortunately, because it was time to make some decisions. Like, do they keep continue working in CAD? Uh, The one other mentor kind of worked with them. Okay, this is the angle that you're probably going to need to change it to to make it all work. Or do you want to switch gears? And the two team members that were there decided, you know, we're going to go ahead and switch gears. Yes, we really want to make this work, but the downside is we're really close to state. And you get this, you're in this struggle where we could make our robot absolutely perfect. We could keep going through this. We could continue to make iterations, but we're now late enough in the game that if we keep doing that, then we're not going to get any drive time. So you can have a really awesome robot, but if you're not comfortable and used to driving that robot, then it's hard for you to execute those moves. So they decided to go ahead and switch gears and they're essentially making a push bot. So they would be really, really fantastic for a team that can pick up the pixels because they could go forward, gather pixels, bring them back. A, they are potentially being scored in that back stage area. Their partner could pick them up and then deposit them on the backstage and, and make additional scoring points. So... They right now have been playing with Kydex. I think my daughter has become the Kydex queen. She's become quite a master in measuring, bending, and forming Kydex exactly to what she needs. So they're creating a little bucket and a grabber to scoop them. That would have been finished last night, but they had some school stuff they didn't get done. And so we had to leave at like 10 o'clock. We got home at 11. <laughs> tomorrow, so tomorrow's Wednesday, we're headed back to the build room. Hopefully, it shouldn't take them too long to finish those changes, to finish building out their robot. My daughter can add 
finish adding whatever code she needs to, and then they can start drive practice. Saturday, they have drive practice with some of the other local rookie teams, which I think is super, super important. The field is massive when you're on the field by yourself. It's really, really tight and tiny when you're on the field with three other robots at the same time trying to get back and forth. So just learning how that works doing, like I said, doing that drive practice, figuring it out, figuring out group controls, getting consistent with that is super important. And then that last week building up to state will probably be at the build room. I would say every single day, like I've already told the people that I edit for that I am not editing the week of state because whatever the kids need to do, whatever practice they want to do, I want to be able to be at the build room and make that happen and have the focus. So she needs to write an autonomous and and all of that fun stuff for it. And so our last week before competition is pretty much dedicated to as much time as the kids feel that they need to be at the build room, we can be. So the next two weeks is even more robots than normal. Hmm. Well, that's exciting. So you, you made a, and maybe it's obvious, but I just for you know for the for those of us in the cheap seats, um, <laughs> what is a push robot? Okay, so in the case of the game, we've got the the little pixels that they can push, or that they can pick up and deposit. If they are a push robot, instead of physically picking up the pixels and holding on to them, they're going to gather them and just push them. So they're they're oh, not like using a, a mechanism that picks them up. Yeah, yeah, they're, okay. they're just going to push right. them. And so that's essentially what they've done is they've created a little scoop so that they can go forward and they don't have to rely on the human player to lay them down in a very specific order. As long as they're pretty close, they can drive up, drop their arms, scoop them into their bucket area and then go over to the backstage, deposit them, and come and get more. So if they can have lots of drive practice over the next week and a half or so, they can get really, really fast at that and have a robot that's gathering a whole lot of points with just rapid deposit of pixels in the backstage. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really neat. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> practice with driving it's like you said it's like a playstation controller or something like that yeah yeah they're, they're using a playstation controller so the one that they're using right now is the logitech version i will drop a link to that in the show notes the one that they're using and they're not using that one to control speed so they're using other buttons that are setting speed and then they're just driving with the other stick but it's nice because they can strafe so that's not only going forward back side to side but they can literally move in diagonals and hmm. that control is attached to the stick. So however you move the stick is literally the direction that you are moving your robot in, which is really nice. And they've made sure that their robot is low enough that they can pretty much go through anywhere that they need to in order to be fast and efficient. So really just getting it built and then time on the field driving is what they need to be successful at this point. Gotcha. Cool. That's neat. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I've I've played games. I guess we had like the one stick controls like motion, and the other one controls like yeah. direction, whatever. Uh huh. But this one's choose. doing it all. You've got one stick that controls all of it. Oh, okay. Yep, That's and neat. then that she's got the the A B whatever pad up at the top that's setting your different speeds. And then the second controller is actually going to be the one who is controlling the arm, dropping that, moving it in. And then they've also got hooks on it that they got built and placed yesterday. 
so that they can hang in Endgame. And that is 20 points all by itself. So, yes, they get to hang. <laughs> like when you when you shoot a hoop, you hang from the from the hoop kind of thing? Yeah, so they, they actually on their arm that shoots out. I'm going to have to get pictures of it tomorrow so that I can add it to this episode. Just drop them either in right here or in the show notes. But... So they've got hooks that come off of it, and they will extend an arm and then clamshell, like pull that in and clamshell their robot together, and it'll hang from a pole at the end of hmm. the the run, the robot run. So just being able to have a basic autonomous and an end game will have them pretty far forward in the competition in general. Maybe I will just go ahead and uh, drop the links to how the game works in this episode too so you don't have to go digging for them maybe link the old episode i don't know we'll see it's it's a fairly complicated game we've got two large game manuals with things that you can do you can't do hardware you can use whatever but this game is definitely there's so much strategy to it and that's one thing that I love about these last few robot games, even for FLL, there is a ton of strategy in how you implement those things and how you achieve those goals. So now one thing that we do know is that while we use Linux on a daily basis, it's not perfect. There isn't anything perfect. We'll never see a perfect operating system. And we have this additional, because we use it all the time, seeing things that, hey, maybe it's missing. And you probably more so because you're in multiple systems on a regular basis. So what do you feel right now today that Linux is missing? All right. So I'm at my number one thing that I wish it had, and it's actually, it's not the fault of Linux. It's the fault of, of third-party application mm. people's. So my number one issue that I have today is that I have to use, I have to jump into another machine to be able to use our remote management software. It's called Splashtop. I've tried installing it in Linux using Wine and some other trickery because it's worked for other people. I can't get it to work. Yeah. And I've done many things. And, and right now I think I've, I think I may have messed it up at this point, but it, Uh-oh. I should try again. I should try again. I need, to, I need to be, but anyway, I just wish it was easy for me to be able to go to, you know, our, our remote, our, the provider that we, we use this. I forget what there's a, there's actually a name for this kind of provider. Atera is the company. And so they have this place you can go to, like this, this site you can go into that you can, I can find any computer. And so no matter where they are, it'll, it'll seek them out and I can connect to the computer remotely so long as they're on the internet mm. and be able to administer, fix anything that they have. I, I have had fun situations where I got a call at like eight o'clock at night and someone says, I, I, I can't, my computer will not get, log into anything. And then I said, okay, all right, well, let me check it out. And I said, and so I, I, I um, went to check things out and like, so uh, is it online? There's a, you know, a pregnant pause and goes, well, I had an airplane mode. Sorry about that. <laughs> 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 that and, still fixes uh, the problem though, right? It did. He goes, I'm so sorry to call you. I it was like right before the snow was hitting. He says, I, I couldn't get a hold of the other guy and and I said, No, no, that's fine, mm-hmm. you know. Glad I was able to help you out. So right. if I could get Splashtop <laughs> working seamlessly in Linux, that would be a huge win. So like right now, Atera was an option, or I'm sorry, any desk was an option with Atera, but we got some sort of cybersecurity notice and they basically advised us to remove it off of every machine they have and they're not going to use they're not going to actually offer it to anymore 
So it was like, it was like a big red thing that popped up and said, get it off your system. And because where I am, where I work is under constant cyber threat, I said it was, I'm, you know, my tinfoil hat was tingling, you know, like my, like my spider right, senses. Just to remove it. Yep. So you get rid of it. So I did have it on my, actually had it on my Linux system and on my, uh, my workstation at work. And so I just got rid of both of them. But anyway, maybe hopefully any desk will, uh, can, you know, recover from that and it'll be good to go in the future or who knows, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Whatever they've got going on, be able to fix it and then have that mm-hmm. be an option again. Yeah. And then uh, another thing that would be really helpful is if I had better drop-in Windows application compatibility. Again, this is not the fault of Linux. I just wish there was like a, right. some way of handling this. And I, I've tried to get this to work, but something called X-Protect, it's this camera software. So we have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of cameras. And so sometimes I have to review footage when something happens, or if I want to find out who's got a naughty host name on their cell phone. Uh, I can better track Uh-oh. them and find out who they are. Yeah. And it was, it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> I may have messed with them a little bit, but they probably didn't even notice anyway. So, cause you can, I can track when they're going from one access point to another, and then I can go to the corresponding oh, okay. cameras in the area and I could find out who it was. It took me a while because they're usually traveling groups, you know, and, and then I found it. But anyway, right. So then you, you um, could pinpoint it to a group of people, but struggling to get that one person. Right. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Anyway, so I, I did have, did have fun with that one time and I did mess with them just a little bit. I was actually going to move them on a, on a separate subnet and then just like, like bandwidth limit them, like really, really heavy, like really harshly. <laughs> but I didn't end up doing that. I just, I thought, you know, I just got kicked them off the network a few times just, just because. Anyway, so that would be, that'd be compatibility with that camera soft would be great. I can probably, maybe I can get it to work at some point in time. There, there's probably some way to get it to work, but just, it was such, you know, I can only invest so much time in like a pet project like that. That's not what's only benefiting me. I got to work on things that benefit everybody because there's too many of those. So I need to like not, you know. Right. Not waste time. Right. But I think that's a situation that a lot of us run into who use Linux on a daily basis, right? It's our preferred platform. We get so much done in it, whether it's play or work. But then you run into those times where you really need this piece of additional software. And that is something that I've seen as I'm using DaVinci. Yes, DaVinci works on Linux. I have it working pretty flawlessly right now on Ubuntu Studio. But there are plugins from like major plugin makers, mainly for sound and some different like video and whatever plugins where you need to install their package, their EXE package or their Mac package in order to then add those additional add-ins. I have been told a way to do a workaround on the sound stuff and it basically you're running another computer on the side that is administering those audio corrections so there are some from waves that i have really really liked in the past and i would like to be able to use again one that helps with echoing one that helps with voice clarity and then Mm -hmm. a vocal writer which which are really nice and if i could use them on my Linux platform, I'm more than willing to pay for them, but I don't want to have this additional package. And I've tried to look, you know, can you get it to run on Linux in a wine situation or in bottles, something like that. And the compatibility just, it isn't great. And it's frustrating to run into those times that 
I need this software for work or I would love to have this software to play. This would make mm -hmm. VR whatever work better and just not being able to implement those packages in general because of the format. Right. Yeah, that gets to really be frustrating. I, I, I'm actually wondering how... I mean, when you look at like the, the status of game compatibility, running Windows games and Linux, it seems like that would be a more complicated task than an audio plugin, but right. what do I Right, know? and in this case, it's because they have, especially for Waves, you're not installing anything. You don't, you don't get the package and then install that plugin itself. You need their proprietary application that then goes ahead and installs those plugins, which is a pain. And it's really, really hard to find audio plugins for DaVinci that isn't Waves. I've struggled. I've, I've really, really looked, and it seems like everyone that I'm finding, they have the same issue. And Waves is good. Like, what they make, those plugins they make are good quality. They work really, really well. And so knowing that Linux itself, like DaVinci runs on Linux, is kind of frustrating that those some of those companies aren't catering to that. I, I have found some plugins that work, and I will plug the plugins that I do use that I can use on Linux, no problem. It doesn't matter what system you're running, they install just fine, and I use them on a show basis, like every show that I mm -hmm. edit. I use these additional plugins mainly for speed and, and just making things look good quickly. So I, I will plug those plugins <laughs> in the show notes. But yeah, oh, good. you would think that applications would be easier to get to run where we already have that compatibility layer and it still seems to be a struggle. Yeah. yeah that almost seems like, it's like they're almost making it unnecessarily complicated and, and like for, right. for what benefit and to whom. Mm -hmm. it seems weird. It's like how you're benefiting the user by your unnecessary complications of things. But right. Exactly. Exactly. And something that I would love easier is the speech to text. So mm. you talk into your application and it types things out. I have a kid that relies on speech to text for getting a good chunk of his schoolwork done. I am one of those people that, especially with the ADHD and everything going on, if I'm sending a message to a friend and it's long or, or whatever, I'd actually rather just speak it than than typing it out, especially if it's on a phone. But that's a whole different story. I don't know a whole lot of people that actually enjoy like thumb typing long messages on a phone. Only people who are probably certifiable. <laughs> right. Yes. But if you yes, like absolutely. it, absolutely. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just saying there's a chance it's certifiable. <laughs> But so I, I definitely prefer it myself. And I know in watching some of the episodes of DL where they're really focusing on accessibility and the like, that there are some options out there, but it seems like you have to jump through multiple hoops in order to get them installed and get them fully set up and working. And I would love it if there was just a quick, easy to install, easy to set up speech to text functionality. Because right now my son is using that on Linux, but of course it's in Chrome and using Google Drive. And I want to break away from that. I don't want to be relied on something that 
like that. And I would love it if it was an application that didn't have to be connected to the internet all the time. Say we're away. Yes, we did recently switch phone companies. And with the plan that we have right now, if we need to, we can hotspot. So, so we can do that. It is an option, but I don't want to rely on that. And it's probably some of my, it's a positive and negative with so many applications that are now inside a web browser. Yay, it doesn't matter what system I'm running, but boo, if my internet goes out, sometimes right. I can't access that application. I can't use it. I've had issues with Photopea that I'm finally getting done with the show. It's been a long time since it's been an issue, but I'm finally getting done with the show. It's like midnight, two in the morning. All I want to do is get the stupid thumbnail done, and I'm having issues getting the web page to load, and I'm like, I just want to go to bed. I just want to go to bed, okay? Mm -hmm. Can you yep. load and let me get this done? <laughs> yep, yep, I get it. Mm -hmm. I, I have that as an issue, not because I'm using web-based stuff, but because I'm often VPN into a particular system and then mm, my internet starts yeah. to flake. What's really bad is can't stay on topic here is when my internet flakes and then, so on a windows machine, the, the, the VPN client will just quit. Yeah. It was nicely quit, oh. yeah, which is nice. Actually, which is good. My, oh, okay. my network manager in plasma will tenaciously try and reconnect which will actually cause me to be locked out. <laughs> so I have to go my backdoor way of getting into things and it's a mess. So yeah. yeah. Yay. It tries to stay connected, but boo, it triggers things. So whatever. additional bit of a struggle right now. I think my internet's doing very good. If we're sidetracking on a sidetrack, mm -hmm. um, at the same time we're recording this episode, I have a child playing Lethal Company, which is an online multiplayer game, and it seems Never to be doing just fine. Go yep. Starlink. <laughs> so for another show, we're going to talk about Starlink, and because um, we're we're actually not me, not me here at my house, but for uh, one of the plants, looking at Starlink as a as a backup. But that's for another show. Oh, so to sidetrack, yeah. I can sidetrack to on your sidetrack. Now we're on a dirt road. So if we're going to veer off that two-track dirt road and go onto like a one-track little game trail, I've actually been thinking about having a... I've actually been thinking about having a bonded network. So for the most part, Starlink is doing fantastic. I can't get T-Mobile home where I am, but I can get T-Mobile business, which it would be for business altogether. And it would be nice at those times that like satellites start to move away that mm -hmm. it can back up with another internet connection. So I've actually thought about having Starlink and T-Mobile business bonded at the house for when I'm doing those really, really large file uploads. But I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if I need to go ahead and get the additional equipment. I know there's some services that allow you to do that. And really, it's my desktop where that would be most mandatory. Like, the rest of the house doesn't need it. But mm -hmm. then at the same time, do I want to spend money on additional services, on additional hardware? And then you have one more mobile bill a month. So I guess if I was making more editing, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but I'm like, hey, is is that an expense that I want? It would definitely be a time saver, but is that worth the additional money that would have to be paid out in order to make that happen? Yeah. So for you, not sure. For my situation, yeah. 
it can come into being down an hour can cost like six figures. So yeah, yeah. For, for the business side, for a larger business like that, without a doubt, I can see that having a backup system like that or a bonded network mm-hmm. would be without a doubt a, a plus, but as, as a sole proprietor who, uh, yeah, I do spend a lot of time at my desk, but to be fair, I spend more hours doing schoolwork and robotics overall, like mm-hmm. income wise, I just don't know that that it pencils out for that extra fifty dollars a month additional. I get it. Yeah. Additional, yeah, because it's like additional what? Yeah. Right. I get it. Yeah. I'm tracking. I understand. Got it. <laughs> so I only have like two other things really. So we actually talked about cat in the past. Yes. I was constantly complaining, but I'm actually happy now. I'm I'm, I'm in a place now with cad, although it's not perfect are you still using on shape i am yeah okay i'm still very happy with that and it's i I haven't actually had a i got a project that i will be working on here shortly but it should have been done in december but i keep saying i'm gonna get to it 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 it keeps getting pushed back Mm -hmm. so i think i have the option in order to get the educational license for on shape because of the time and stuff that I'm doing with the different robotics teams. And I think I am going to pursue that because it would be nice to be able to have the kids be able to do whatever they're building for robotics on there and not necessarily Mm -hmm. have all of their revisions in the open. So if they're, they're sharing a finished project, they're sharing a finished project, but there are teams that have been known to just like, take somebody else's idea make no changes to it and use it on their robot like it was theirs mm-hmm. and that's what we don't want i can see that i, I think about that too because like you know i have lots of revisions or lots of just like cruft that i put out there and i think if i were if i were doing something commercially with it i would probably pay for it but i'd have to really actually be making money off of it before i'd really want to pay right because it, it's so. way too expensive to just have the the plain old license i've looked at it and yeah there, there's no way that's not happening. The only way I would be able to have it is with that that educator's license in order to make that work. And it's not that we're unwilling to share some of those files and solutions. It's just the people that are taking those files and solutions and claiming them as theirs where the mm-hmm, frustration right. is, right? It might be hard to like find them though anyway. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I've never really dug into on shape to see. And it's one of those things that, hey, I need to go through and finish learning this and play with some CAD more myself. But I just keep running out of time. I just keep running out of time. I don't have enough hours in the day. Like Thursday, this week, co-op starts back up. I'll leave the house at seven o'clock in the morning and I probably won't get back home till like 1030 ish. It's a long time. It's a long time. time. <laughs> yeah. It's a long day. It's definitely yeah. a long day. And that's with all four kids with me. So it's a long day for all of us. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I have some days like that where I don't... Actually, today is one of those days when it's like I start mm. my day at about 5.30 in the morning. And I have not had a, like... Okay. So I did do I did do the, the wrong thing. And before coming out here, I grabbed a, a donut. Oops. So, so <laughs> I, I haven't actually... Good, right? It was, it was so good. So good to hit the lips and some milk. <laughs> I was like a child. But like, I've, I was so busy today, I didn't have time for lunch. I like had coffee. Mm. 
I grabbed like a meat stick out of the out of the cabinet at, at work, and uh, that was what I had today. And um, so I actually have some yogurts I need to share with you, and I like them because they're like no added sugar and they're very high in protein. And right now hmm. that's my go to. Like I'm busy and I need something, so I'll share those with you after the show. Cool, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And that's enough. I, I totally lost what we were talking about. Oh, um, <laughs> Linuxy stuff. So yes, um, yes. Another time we'll probably talk Wayland because everyone's talking about Wayland these days, and so I guess we may as well jump yeah. on. But I have one issue with Wayland that's just kind of tripping me up a little bit, and that's virtual KVM on Wayland. So like I used Barrier or Synergy before. Can't do that. Worked in Linux. Does work in Linux, just not on Wayland. And I don't know why because there's so many other mouse control things that do work. So I'm sure they'll get it worked out. Yeah. I'm sure they'll get it worked out. But and then I think the one last thing that I really like, I just, this would be like the icing on the cake or maybe like a little bit of the froth, like a little bit, a little like little sprinkles on the icing on the cake would be being able gotcha. to have, being able to have seamless integration with Android apps. Now I, I did play with something called Waydroid and it was very close to being everything that I hoped it would be. So yeah. close. And I think it's, I think it might get, I think it'll, it'll get there. And I actually have an open dialogue now with the uh, with the developer, uh, one of the developers of it, and so we're gonna have a talk at some point in time. Maybe I'll oh, that's bring cool. Them. So were you yeah. using WayDroid on Blend OS? No, I was using it actually on Ubuntu because I couldn't get it to successfully run on OpenSUSE. Okay. So the idea so, is I can so that run. That was another issue that you were having with it. Is mm-hmm. it not running in your preferred distro? Right. That's okay. I get it. You can only target so many things. OpenSUSE is kind of moving targets right. a bit squirrely. I get it. So there's probably, if I understood the parts of it better, maybe I could put it together and make it work, you know? So I don't understand the parts fully, but I'll get there. So I'm going to have a, have a conversation with him. We start talking over Twix, Twitter X. And, and so I'm going to probably, well, I don't have time today, but I will connect with him yeah. and try to understand the project a little bit better. But anyway, so I think that you know, if, if like, like Waydroid also requires Wayland, but having that work where I can just call up specific apps, like not games, I don't care about games, I don't care about a lot of things, but like specific, like, right. like my solar panel battery thing, it is an Android app. Oh, okay. And there is not a web client I can go to. So it'd be nice if I could just launch that app in my, on my computer because I don't like the phone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. I don't like my phone. What can I say? Um, and I actually do very little on my phone like that. I don't like to do a whole lot of work stuff on my phone. What do I use it for? I use it for calls. I do use it for, for messaging. Yes, I am one of those people that do use my cell phone for calls. There is weird. a lot of messaging that I use it for checking email, not really responding to emails. If I need to sit down and write an email, I like a keyboard. So... It's it's mostly for checking things, and I'm not super big on social media. I haven't even been checking Mastodon like I should lately. I I don't do like the scrolling behaviors, whatever. And and I am a millennial. I'm I'm inside that age bracket, and I'm one of the few that like. Yeah, no, I use my my phone the most for listening to audiobooks and stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what that device is for me. It's a, that's funny. a portable music book machine. <laughs> Yeah, I would say like I yeah I probably use my phone most as an as an iPod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Podcasts. Exactly. Music. But outside of that, like oh, and pictures. 
and, and depositing and pictures, it does checks. really need a, a good camera on it. I actually pre-ordered a OnePlus 12, so I'm pretty excited about that. I'm, I'm excited for that to be here right now. It's saying February 13th is when it's supposed to arrive. I've really enjoyed my OnePlus 9 over here that, yes, it does have a cracked screen, but that's just the screen protector, not the screen itself. I'm a little bummed, though, because it looks like dbrand stopped making skins for them and this is a dbrand skin that has been on here since the the day i got it so this dbrand skin is like three years old hmm. it still looks absolutely amazing of course it's been in a clear case but i love it and i wanted a new one for my new phone and i'm super bummed they don't they don't seem to make them for them anymore oh, they didn't make one for the 11 i don't see any on there for the 12 so if you know another really good place to get high quality skins for the phone let me know. Yeah. I've hey, there's another ox track. Yeah. There's... So this one's clear, right? I've, I've had a, a clear case on it so you could oh, actually okay. see the the skin. Oh, I gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah. Yeah, because it, it has to have a case too, right? I am so clumsy. Obviously, you're seeing the cracks and like chips in this screen. I'm, I'm clumsy enough. It has to have a case on it. But... Yeah. It's it. nice when I could layer that. That's an additional layer of protection on it from dirt or whatever that gets in it. And I'd, I'd liked this wood look. Mm. Yeah, there there isn't any more. I actually wanted one of the skins for the teardown. There's a really awesome channel. I think Jerry rigged something like that on YouTube where he does teardowns of all different kinds of devices and he's worked with Dbrand so you can get skins that you're huh. actually seeing the internals about, yeah. of the device with the skin. Yeah, I was like, I want one of those for this. I also yeah, watched I the, apparently there's a lawsuit going on with somebody else that, that, that yeah, he's basically that's an artist. stealing yep. their skins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they put a lot of work into them. Very, very high resolution images mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm super bummed. I wanted one for my upcoming phone, but no. Maybe you just have to ask him nicely. Right? Maybe. Maybe put in a special request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they might just do it. Like, oh, well, you know, Wendy from Linux Out Loud, of course, we got to do it now. We got to do it now. It's Right, yeah, yeah. The, the show is just so popular. That so huge, to- <laughs> huge, so huge. <laughs> to be able to get that kind of feedback from it. <laughs> and I have probably one for Matt. He's not here, so I'll speak for him, if I may. Okay, perfect. Anti-cheat stuff in Linux for games. That it all just worked. Yeah. Not saying that it worked the same way, but that it just worked so you can do the network play. And maybe Matt wouldn't say that, but I'm going to say it for him because then all that. He might. He might actually say that. I know there has been some improvements in the last couple of years with the anti-cheat, but it mm-hmm. needs to be implemented from the developer in order to get all of that put in. And so some places it does work, some places and it doesn't work. And yeah, it would be nice if that was seamless across multiple games i know mm-hmm. i think if it's even among us i've been kicked out of the server or something for things which is really weird i think one of their racing games or something we've been banned as far as like multiplayer goes and oh, weird we, we didn't do anything we haven't been cheating so yeah having that work i, I get that and i definitely think that in matt's case it would, without a doubt, be something gaming-related or GUI-related. Yeah, either one of those. That that would be Matt, for sure. Yep. Yeah, he wishes he, wishes he didn't have to think when using Linux. I think it might be his uh, 
so he can do Linux like the rest of his life. <laughs> do do that. That be his forte. I don't have to think in life or in Linux. <laughs> so you end up running quite a bit of distributions, both for testing that you're doing on Linux Out Loud. You've got some other stuff that you're running that you want to be able to access from your OpenSUSE system. And that's where DistroBox comes in? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that, that Waynergy kind of sent me down was, can I run it in DistroBox on my OpenSUSE machine? So just run it inside. Uh, the short answer is no. But what it did do is send me down a whole whole new bunny trail of like, Wow, I can run various applications on on my my system as though they were native, and I can call them up in from my menu, but have them be a completely different distribution, and and they actually can all run seamlessly, oh. and I wouldn't even know. So it was yeah. really very cool. So you know, every distribution kind of has an application that maybe works better for it than another. Now, although I would th- say things like mm-hmm. Flatpak have kind of like diminished some of that, right. But there are sometimes applications that aren't built flat, that don't have a flat pack, don't have a snap, or maybe you want a certain kind of application from, you know, or a certain collection of applications based, maybe, maybe. So maybe like, let's say you like how a collection of applications work from Debian 11 or something like that, or Debian 12 or, or whatever, whatever, whatever you're thinking or, or a specific version of Ubuntu. You could put that together and then install that and have that run on on your system. Now, the I think the idea is of this is it's to work it will work really well with the mutable operating systems because right. you're installing applications not on your core app, on your core system but on a on a container in in your user land space. And you don't have a from what I understand there is no performance penalty in doing this either. So that's Ooh. also very cool. And then the, the other thing too is like well maybe actually what I really want to do is I would install these various applications on OpenSUSE, but I don't want to put them on my core system. I want them in a container so that I'm not cluttering up my core system with all these other different, you know, you know, uh, the, the way I kind of weave things together using OBS, not, 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 the, not the studio, but OBS, the OpenSUSE build service. So these yeah. like community repositories, I can pull all these community repositories together in one container for all my extra applications that, you know, they're not critical, but I do want them running. So things like as, as silly as it may sound, I still use a a graphing calculator from 1998. <laughs> I used it today. I use it almost every day. And sometimes I want to get applications on here. I want to be able to connect it. And so mm-hmm. um, I need to have, there's an application called T-L-I-P. What's it? T-I-L-I-P? T-I-L-P. So I can transfer files to this or transfer things off of that and, and so forth. I don't do that all that often, but I want to have that capability, so I have it installed on my right. machine. But in order to do that, I had to install some community repositories on there or one computer community repository. And so when I go to do updates on my system, it's automatically always pulling from that. And it's like, well, maybe I don't really want – that's an extra step that I have to – that's required now when I do an update. So I'm thinking, right. so I thought, I could move all those things to a – a distro box container, all my extra malarkey that I have to weave together in, mm-hmm. a, in that container so I don't clutter up my core system. And that makes my core system l- less inclined to break. So that's, right. that's kind of what, right. more or less what I'm looking at. So like something like Cade and Live, no, it's in the official repository. Any in the official repository, I'm not going to put in there. But anything from like additional repositories and not the codex, but anything like outside of like maybe a couple of different additional repositories, 
I'll move all those to DistroBox, and then I just have a a simpler a simpler uh, installation of Linux. Right, and containerized. So aren't you running Tumbleweed? Yes. So yours is constantly updating. But if you were on something like Leap, or if you're doing something like Fedora where it's time to update, then you'll potentially have less issues when you go to update because it's not like, hey, we've got a conflict with these packages or that doesn't work because you've got them containerized inside of DistroBox. Right. Correct. So instead, I have to wait a long time for it to scan this repository, then this repository, then this repository, then this right, repository. Right, yeah. So I have a longer process mm-hmm. right now, but now I can just like move those off and then not worry about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds absolutely awesome. I know I've played with it a little bit when I have played with Blend OS, and it's one of the ways I've heard as a good way to install DaVinci on some Linux systems. I never got it to work really well in DistroBox. The last time I tried on one, there was incompatibility with the kernel that I was using on the system. And so that's where it kind of kicked in through a little bit of fit because I was trying to get those proprietary AMD drivers installed. And it was like, hey, wait a minute. We don't like that. So I would love to play with it some more on some different systems and stuff. I Right now, I need another extra drive so I can just have a play drive, leave my system that works alone, and then jump onto another one, either playing with Blend OS some more or DistroBox or whatever. Like I, I don't want to add a bunch of cruft to a system and then decide that I don't want it, and you got to uninstall and, and move mm-hmm. stuff around or, or make sure you get all of those pulled off the system. So... I don't know. I I need a playground. I do like that idea. I've heard good things about it. So I'm glad that you are having good luck with it and find some some positives in using it. I was just thinking it's a really good way to potentially install stuff from the AUR. All right. So those kind of things are are in a sandboxed location. I didn't even think of that. But that's a great idea. It's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those ways that you can have a system break. It's one of the causes that I've had issues with Garuda or Manjaro in the past is I've installed this thing from the AUR and then it's supposed to go to update and then I've got, hey, this is newer than what's over here and things not wanting to update and and it causes issues with with updates altogether. So then you either got to like dive into it and say, yes, update this. And then it potentially breaks out. If you can just throw it in distro box, then you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have your donut and eat it too. And, and a <laughs> glass of milk. And your glass of milk. Yes. Yes. Very much. And Enjoy them both. I can't believe I admitted that on for the world. <laughs> so ashamed. <laughs> So, Wendy, I understand you got yourself a new monitor arm. So that means you're, are you expanding your array of monitors? Well, no, I have four because I got this one that's over here for Christmas this year. And they're, Christmas they're in monitor. an okay for f- configuration. Yes, I got a Christmas monitor and they're, they're in an okay configuration. So the top one here is actually mounted on the wall. So when I drop my desk, then it's sitting up too high and because the other three monitors on stands, then I feel like I'm looking down. I'm doing this while I'm working, and it's it's been really hard on my neck. I actually had to see the chiropractor recently because it was all out. And so when I'm looking at my main monitor, I want it to be straight across, right? I want to be mm-hmm. looking up at my monitor and none of that. So I went ahead and ordered a 
quad monitor stand. It'll hold all four monitors. So three across the bottom and one at the top. Looking at the configuration Ooh. of these, there's actually someone who had an ultra wide across the bottom as their one monitor and then had the three smaller monitors across the top, which was totally cool. Like that's really cool. Absolutely. Excellent way to do that. If I had an ultra wide, then I would definitely, definitely be doing that. But I'm well, using all four monitors. I will. I, wanna, I will. I well, want to see that. I love crazy monitors. I, I will for have to get that pulled up. But it was awesome. I, I absolutely, absolutely loved the way that that was set up. And so that's what I'm doing after the show. The monitor arm arrived, but I didn't have time to take everything apart on my desk, set up the monitor arm, get everything reconfigured with camera and all the like before this show. So this is the last time that I'm doing the show with the three monitors on the desk and the one up above. After this, everything's getting torn apart and I'm putting together this monitor stand. I'm a little worried that based on how those arms are supposed to go, because it can support up to 32 inch monitors, that I may have to move my desk more from the wall. I might have to do a little bit more office desk room rearranging in order to get everything to fit properly. But we'll we'll see how that goes. I'll start putting the monitor together, putting the arm together, and then go from there. The other really cool thing that I found that was actually made by the same company is it is a a tray, a shelf that actually gets mounted at the same time with that vase amount. So the shelf goes sandwiched in there with the the vase amount. And this one in particular is to be used for media gear. So I can actually mount my camera directly to it. I use a secondary monitor, the Ninja Inferno. So it's an older model. So my camera goes into the Ninja Inferno and then from there it goes into an Atomos little graphics, not graphics, what whatever card that to convert it in order to take that feed into the computer that that's what I'm using right now. So I can actually mount that itself onto that one little shelf. So that gets multiple things up off my desk. I found other shelves from that same company that also mount kind of that way in between sandwiched in the VESA. And I wanted to make sure that this setup is working and I might get some additional ones to go up above or down below to get more of the stuff that has to be here, like my SD card reader, where my XLR microphone plugs in, get them picked up so I've got more actual usable desk space because right now I feel like I have this massive desk and like almost none of the surface is usable. <laughs> That's a really great idea. I didn't even know such things existed. I never even thought to look for such things. I Right. Probably like and it just happened to come up in my feed. And then after I saw that, I was like, oh, that that's kind of cool and started doing an actual search for things like that. Mm -hmm. So suggestions when buying things can be nice because I did go ahead and purchase one. I think it's going to be a benefit to the overall construction and may end up adding more VESA mount shelves mm -hmm. at the same time for the whole configuration. I have to say, I was thinking... So something between my old house and the house I have now, my previous home and this mm -hmm. home, is I had my kitchen system mounted above my sink, like off the counter, so it was not on the counter oh, at all. Oh, yeah. And this house, I can't do that. So the window's different. Oh. There's a light in the way. And and so I, I've thought many times that, I mean, 
the cabinets are so nice in this house. Like, I don't want to drill into the side of a cabinet to put a stinking computer up. I mean, right? I don't do that. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess maybe I could do, like, above the window, but then I have to remove a light, which I guess I could do that, too. But I'm like, yeah, I like the kitchen the way it is, and I don't like where the monitor is or the, com- the one, all-in-one computer. And that'd be really nice if I could vest mount the whole computer up there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it it really would be. It would be. Right now, our, our kitchen system isn't up and running at the moment because I stole the one monitor off of that system to give me three. Um, mm-hmm. When I got this monitor for Christmas, the kids are like, hey, we get the compu- the kitchen system back. And I was like, no, I actually like want all four of these monitors in order to make things work. So I do need to get that back up and running. But it was just sitting on the counter, and I didn't really like that because it's on the same counter as the coffee pot, and other things happen, and so spills happen. And I would yep. love to have that all mounted underneath the carrots in general in order to make that all work, fit properly, make it cleaner, not be worried about, hey, you know, somebody didn't put the one little thing on top of the coffee pot, and now there's water, like, running across the counter. Save the keyboard. <laughs> the keyboard's floating away. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yep. we'll, we'll see. I'm super excited about this one. I can't wait to get it set up. Instructions look like they're pretty easy. They look like they're pretty easy. I think the the biggest issue is getting everything that's up here moved off of it and just figuring out where it's all going to go. So hopefully I will have a better camera position than I've got right now because I'm like... I'm looking at you, Nate, but I'm looking at you on the screen, but my monitor, my camera's over here. So it doesn't look like I'm looking at you all the time, even though I am. So I would like to have that well fixed, adjusted. From my, from my perspective, you're actually looking at me this way, so it works out fine. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. But it should be it should be a little different this time. It's kind of about the same camera angle that I had last week, because you can see my Starlink router thing right over here i did add a red accent light this time a little bit more time to get things set up and arranged before we go some time to think about it but but we'll see how it comes together i'm pretty excited i might share a picture i might not it just depends on how well the keyboard management goes and if i'm really embarrassed about the keyboard management (laughs) (laughs) cable management's kind of a it's it's about the journey not the destination there, there you go. It's about mm-hmm. the journey, not the destination. And I will be 100% upfront that I suck at cable management. There you go. That's, I, I could actually go on a bunny trail on that, what I did in my kitchen, I'm at my living room. Because yeah. it's, it's almost perfect. But that's another time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost perfect. <laughs> almost perfect. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, and hopefully we check those, I'm sorry about that. Sometimes it takes us a little bit to get to them. See the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Fit and Fueled, Destination Linux, Linux Saloon, you can see Nate some more, at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Text Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric. I paused my game to be here. I bet Matt is wearing one right now. Or oh, he did. Pause this game to be here. 
No, he didn't pause his game to be here. Gosh dang him. I hope it's a fun game. I hope he like hits some awesome levels or whatever he's doing. I hope and that it's all among works us. out. <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic. He's a closet among us player. <laughs> he is. Yes. Under a different name. Totally different name. Yeah. He doesn't use his regular name because he can't yeah. let people know that he actually likes Among Us. Exactly. <laughs> or you story. can join hashtag. <laughs> what was that? Let's just go with that story. He's yeah, got a, we'll, he's got we'll a, go an, alter, an, an e alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> an Among Us alter ego. <laughs> exactly. So then you can join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. I actually think we need some sinister Nate swag while we're along those lines. Actually, I was thinking something like I have an almost unhealthy obsession with something line, you know. You know, my daughter and I have actually thought about making you that shirt and sending oh. it to you. Oh, that'd yes. be cool. <laughs> Because right now I have an almost healthy obsession with, of course, OpenSUSE. Right now, uh-huh. it's the framework, almost unhealthy obsession. Mm. And I'm imposing yes. other That one I'm actually imposing on other people, though. So this might be worse. But I don't blame you. I would love to have a framework. I've actually specced one out multiple times and been like, I'd love to hit that buy button. Gosh dang it, I need a new car. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's probably more important. Yeah, a little bit more important. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhere on topic, and have fun doing it. I, I mean, like, topic is relative, you know? I mean, it was all tech and Linuxy related. It's not like we right. talked about. I mean, we we're going from one thing to another. Like there, yeah. there is a trail. You can follow the breadcrumbs right. in order to yeah. get to it. It's all somewhat related as we go from one to another. It's not full ADHD where we're jumping to completely different topics, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah.